reading from John's Gospel, chapter 17, beginning in verse 6. This is the heart of Jesus' prayer for his disciples. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they are, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I, gi- for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and that they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am also praying for the world, but for, I'm sorry, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled." And this is our passage for today. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not speak that you, t- I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. In the truth, your word is truth. Wow. Please be seated. This passage is the last recorded prayer of Jesus in the Bible. And for that reason, I think we should look at it as uh, with great uh, respect and reverence and, and, and seek to understand and know all that we can from these final words. Uh, I was trying to think the best way to communicate this truth to you, and, and, and the thought came to my mind, maybe just share with you how I pray for my kids. Because in a sense, this is Jesus praying for his spiritual children. When I pray for my kids, I pray, you know, looked at, look at their circumstances, their lives, their struggles, their difficulties, and I pray about those things, that they, you know, they, they would uh, do okay at school, they would, they would do better uh, in difficulties when they have hard relationships. I pray for things like that. But as I read through this prayer and thought about it, it, it just struck me like, whoa, this is so different than the way that I maybe should have prayed for them. Because Jesus is praying with a, a, a far greater kingdom-impacting vision for people's lives, our lives, that we would, in fact, impact our world, that our character would be so strengthened by the word and the truth of the gospel that we, we would be seen in the world uh, as different, as unique, as God's. And so I, I want us to spend some time thinking about that. You know, and, and just, you know, uh, sure, in, in my life, I prayed for our kids. They would know Jesus. They would grow up and raise their kids in the faith. They, they would grow spiritually, those kinds of things. But I never prayed for them, I, I don't think. And God forgive me for this with the kingdom outreach mindset that I see in this passage, that they're living not for the world, but they're living for Christ in the world. 
and, and be willing and prepared to deal with whatever comes as a result of that. And we see in the passage, it's hatred. So with all of this in, in the back of my mind, I, I just thought, wow, this really is informing my life. In first, how maybe I need to respond more, think more, pray more about how God wants to interact and, and work in my life and perhaps in yours but also how I need to think about my kids and my grandkids and that God would do those things uh, in them that we would somehow by his spirit and word respond (laughs) to his prayer and see it fulfilled in our midst, in our lives. So so that's where we're headed. Uh, There's three things that Jesus speaks about in this passage that are key. It's interesting that he picked those three things. The first one is that we would have the fullness of his joy. The fullness of his joy. The second one is that we would be in the world, but not of the world. We would live as aliens and strangers in this world. We would represent the kingdom of God in this world. And the third one is that we would be sanctified by his truth. And all of those three are tied together, and I'll talk about that in a bit, but just understand that. And so that's kind of where we're headed. I want you to think about this in regard to your life, your kids. Uh, Is Jesus prayer being answered in your life, in the lives of your kids as, as we seek to follow him, as we stand in this place and encourage and, and, and strive to love each other, build each other up in the faith, grow together in Christ. So yes, there's failures, there's struggles, there's hardships in these times, and, and we will always miss the mark. And so with that, I want to stop and pray because I've missed the mark. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about all of this, but maybe before you're done, we'll all realize God has... Uh, Great opportunity to work in our lives in fresh new ways. God, (laughs) you have so touched me with this passage this week and my own inadequacy as a dad, uh, even as as a son of God, Lord, to to not live in a way that Jesus prayed for me to live. Uh, Lord, there's been times I've (laughs) not manifested your joy. I've I've lived selfishly for my kingdom, not yours. And God... uh, I've not been zealous for your word at times. God, I I don't know if anybody here relates to that, but forgive me if if they struggle with these things. Forgive them, God. We just want to know you in the way Jesus prayed, that we might know you and be enriched by these truths that he prayed for us in this passage. So guide us in our deliberations, Father. May your spirit speak through your word today. Use me as just a a vessel, an imperfect vessel in that process. So we give you thanks for the powerful words of Jesus, for his life and his truth, and we rejoice in all of it. Thank you in his glorious name. Amen. Let's begin uh, with this first concept of growing in joy. One of the three we've talked about, joy, living, in the world, but not for it. And then lastly, being sanctified. So he says in verse 13 this, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that you may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He was was praying specifically for the believers of his day. Remember, he just kind of with growing instruction reminded them that he was leaving. That wouldn't be a joyful thing if I had been with Jesus, but uh, they understood, I think, in a growing way, and after his death, that he had defeated sin, death, and Satan. And so there is great joy in the truth of all that Jesus came, said, and did. And so they, they were finding uh, the, the powerful 
powerful impact of those truths to create and sustain joy in their lives. The, the idea here is that it's available, though. The, the verb for uh, that they may have is, is in the subjective mood. It means it's possible. We may. It's probable. But it's dependent on us to drill deep into, into the character of God and His Word and of Christ. It, it's in part based on our willingness to know Him and seek Him and follow Him. In this. It, this joy is available. Dig into it. It's there for us. And, and uh, the world is, is never going to fill us with that kind of, of rejoicing and celebration and gladness. It's just not in the world. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, so understand, this is, this is Jesus' prayer, first and foremost, that we would know his joy. We would be saturated with his joy. We would have a deep assurance of knowing him and walking with him day by day. And, and have a, a resultant, peaceful, hopeful, cheerful behavior. In his discussion on being the vine and were the branches, in verse 11 he said this in John 15, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So understanding, the closer we come to Jesus, the fuller we will become with his joy. And he wants that for us. He prayed for that. Isn't it interesting that along with keeping us safe, he prayed for these other three things. He wants us to rejoice in his goodness and be filled with his joy. Joy is from God. Uh, We're going to look at some scriptures that really depict that. Uh, The word of God says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So its source isn't the world, it's the truth of God, our relationship with God. As we stand here together and grow together, uh, my prayer for all of us is that we grow more and more in His joy. So it's it's from God, it's not from the world. It's it's not dependent on circumstances. We read this in Psalm 511, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. These are people who take refuge, who are in trouble, who are being uh, uh, pursued, who maybe are on the brink of defeat. And he says, take refuge in me. Take refuge. And in, and, and, but all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. And those who love your name may exalt in you. So... It doesn't matter whether we're being pursued, whether we're defeated, whether we're, we're uh, at the brink of giving up. We still have access to the joy of Jesus to live in its fullness day by day by day. We'll talk more about that. It springs from our faith. This, this is just a precious verse from Romans fifteen thirteen. We use this a lot in our discipling. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. As a result of our faith, may we be filled up with joy and peace in Him, so that by the power of the Spirit you may abound in hope. Joy is also uh, always thinking toward the future, when we'll be with Jesus. It's, 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 it's what will await those who are faithful and, and who are you know, just day by day living more and more for the glory uh, of God's kingdom. The scripture says it this way. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
What powerful truths for us. It's kind of the foundation of joy in our spiritual life. We've addressed this, uh, this, this year a couple of different times, but, but hopefully we're growing in the understanding and the application of it to our lives. And, and my prayer is that we would all grow in increasing awareness of God's joy for our hearts and lives. It's available to us through intimacy. I'm going to give you a ton of scripture here because it's all in the word. In this passage in Psalm 1611, it says uh, these things. You may know, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Dan talked a bit about uh, intimacy with God last week. That's one of our core pursuits. That's what we're spurring each and each each and each other on toward in community groups, in our lives here, our kids, our, our youth, to grow more and more in love with Jesus and more intimate with God. And there is joy found there. It's, it's also uh, joy poured out in us because we know, have, we, we know he's defeated uh, sin and death and we know we have victory in those areas over sin, death, and hell. He says this in Isaiah 61, 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As we drill down deep to understand the fullness of our salvation and all that affords us, all that it provides for us, what what comes with that but joy, a fullness of joy in him. The commandments of God give us uh, joy as well. Uh, we read this in uh, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Your words, listen to this. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy. Wow. And the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. God's word is a joy to us. And as we take it in, as we try to understand it, as it it illumines our hearts and minds, joy comes alongside of it. Prayer brings joy. Jesus uh, uh, said this on one occasion. Until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I just got to share this with you. It's so cool this week. We were with a couple Thursday night and you know, like all of us, they struggled with things in their lives, one of which was, uh, you know, uh, finances. They're hard at times. We, we don't always have and see ways to pay the bills. And that was one of the issues that we prayed with them about. And, and another was uh, just the fact that uh, this one individual grew up in the Northwest near Seattle. Uh, <laughs> James, you mentioned that Friday night, but just the, 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 the longing for moisture to come and, and, and to walk in the rain. And guess what happened Friday? It rained all day. That person was able to go out and walk in the rain and rejoice and, and, and celebrate God. And, and then they also got provision or notice that there was hopefully some income coming. We prayed and God answered and the joy of God's provision and blessing just came manifest in their lives. And so we rejoice with them in that. A couple of other things. Uh, this idea of, of working in the harvest and seeing people come to know Christ, it, it, that, that charged Paul's life with joy. He writes these words in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 through 20. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our 
glory and our joy. Those people that Paul was able to impact with the gospel in one way or another, whether, whether he helped them grow or whether they came to Christ or, or whether he just prayed for them, they brought him joy. And, and that's what spiritual ministry does. There, there is as well this thing that when people come to Christ, when they experience faith, when they repent, there is a celebration in heaven to whatever degree, to what minuscule part we have in seeing people come to Christ and repent of their sins or, or if they're trapped in sin and we're able to come alongside them and help them grow out of that, there's what? Rejoicing in heaven. I know of no other way I can impact heaven, but that's pretty cool, isn't it? We, we can cause heaven to rejoice through a little bit of what we do down here. God does it all, I know, but we have a little hand in it. That's exciting. Walking in the truth brought joy. Paul says this, or uh, John uh, said this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And when you see your kids walking in truth, your children, your disciples, it brings joy. That's just an overview of, of, of the joy that's available to us, the joy we can appropriate, the, the joy that Jesus prayed we might have. And, and, and I pray that, that whatever, we've probably all stumbled and fallen in this area, and we get grumpy and we get cross, and man, uh, don't put me on a telephone call with a tech support person. Ugh! I, can, I guarantee you I can lose my joy in a, in a millisecond. Number one, I can't understand them, and it goes downhill from there, but enough said. But being sustained and supported by the truth of God can fill my life and heart with joy in a way that just sustains it and and brings it forward. As I was thinking about this, how how do we keep joy alive? How how do we know we're growing? I think one way is that we know we're we're growing in God's joy in in our hearts and lives. And I I was thinking a way to illustrate this. And I'm looking at time and getting scared already. But uh, I, I think this is, is worth saying. I was thinking about the theme park life. It's sort of a way, I don't know if I've ever read this anywhere, so forgive me if I robbed this or stole this from somebody. But I think we could sort of almost liken our lives to a theme park trip. You know, we, we think about going to the theme park and riding on the fun rides. We set aside some money. We save up. We find a date. We get everybody organized. We get in the car. We go down there. And then we stand in line for two hours to get in. We pay them $100 for the day. Then we get in line for the ride. And uh, the ride, wow, it was exciting. We spend three hours to have a two-minute ride that's exciting, exhilarating. Then we get off, and what do we do? We do it again. And we do it over and over and over again. And and to me, that's almost a parable of life. We're looking for those exciting thrills in life. And I I pray to God we don't miss his joy doing that. that. That we're living in the reality of the fullness of our life in Christ. That's why he came. Are we growing in that? Is that being seen in us? So are we growing in kingdom joy? Are we growing in kingdom living? And and let's talk about that. Jesus said this in these uh, these verses, 14 through 16. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
What Jesus is, is saying here is that we live now differently because we're in his kingdom. We live in a world that we're really not a part of spiritually and, and truthfully. So when you walk out the doors today, you're entering the world and you live there. And it has far different values than you have. And the idea here is, is that Jesus wants us to live in it, but not be of it. He prays that we would be kept from it, protected. And back in verse 11, this was uh, one of his first imperatives in this prayer. If, if you want a brain cramp, ask yourself this question. Why did Jesus pray this way to his father when he's God himself? Think about that one. The only answer I have is that this was so significantly important for us that he put it in the strongest possible language so that we would be captivated by its importance and significance for us. That we would know the keeping of God from the the hatred and the evil and the oppression and, and the opposition of this world that we might shine for Jesus. And for his kingdom in this world. You know, I think if we all voted right now, God take us out of the world. Uh, How many of us would vote against that? I don't see any hands. I'm ready to go. Uh, But God has a purpose for us being here. And that's that we might live in his kingdom. Not of it, but for his kingdom in this world, in it. He wants us to live here and radiate his truth, his love, his message. The only way we as believers can be witnesses to this world is to be in this world. Sorry, but that's how it is. As sad as that, as hard as that is to deal with, to face, uh, that's the only way that the kingdom can grow and expand in this world is through our participation in the advancement of the gospel. And our willingness to live in this world, not be tainted by it, but to rejoice and live out the fullness of the kingdom in it. I just want to take a moment and, and say, before we go any further, understand that there, there, there is a kingdom of God that's revealed in Scripture. And there's also a, a kingdom sort of of darkness of, of this world of, of which Satan is the king. I, I want to take a few minutes talking with you about the spiritual kingdom that is present now. It is God's kingdom. It is present here now. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 4, 17. For that time, Jesus began preaching, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He brought the kingdom to this planet through his earthly ministry. Now, this probably argue a sense that God was a theocratic king back before he uh, lifted up Saul and David, etc., etc., etc. But the real kingdom here of God came with Jesus, and it was his rule and his presence and his power unleashed in the lives of his people. So we now represent his kingdom. We are living here under his rule and his reign. Colossians 1.13 says this, He has delivered us. This, this is huge. He has delivered you and me from the dominion or the domain of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we're in his kingdom and we live in the world, but we're not of the world as Jesus prayed. It took a new birth for all that to happen. 
It took being born again. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God isn't a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's our first priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then everything else is going to work out in our lives. And this is kind of a very brief picture of the kingdom of God. But, you know, the, the question that I want to, all of us to address and struggle with today is this. Whose kingdom are we living for? Are we living for his kingdom? He prayed that we would live for his kingdom in this world. And we would represent him well. There is a kingdom of darkness, as we said uh, it's, it's reiterated in the passage in Colossians. He has delivered us from the dominion or domain of king, uh, or the kingdom of darkness. This is Satan's place. It's where he rules. It's his kingdom, so to speak. And in the interaction of Jesus in, in uh, the desert, his temptations, Satan offered him the kingdoms of this world if he would just worship Satan. So we know it's real. We live in it day by day by day. So the reality is to live in it but not be tainted by it. And and that's this idea here back in the passage as we move on. He wants us to be kept from the tainting, the adulteration, the defilement of this world so we can represent him well. We will shine Jesus. We will shine the grace and forgiveness and mercy of the gospel to people around us. We will let them see, and I appreciate what was said up here this morning, people seeing broken lives healed by the grace of God. There's nothing more exciting in life to see broken people mended by the power of the word of God and then to shine Jesus in our world. That's what's behind Jesus' prayer here. We're hated by the world. Because we live and believe and cling to the word of God and its truths. But we're needed in the world. We're here to witness and and to to testify and, and to radiate the love and truth of God by how we live. To live in the world but not be of the world. You know, it's amazing in this passage, and and I didn't notice this, but three times. Whenever something's repeated in the Bible, what is that a clue toward? It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a really, really big deal. Three times in this passage, Jesus said of his disciples the same thing he said of himself. That is a really big deal. He said, they are not of this world as I am not of this world. Drink deeply of that truth for a while. Three times. What it means to be not of this world. The the word not in the original language means to not be tainted. To not be corrupted. To not be defiled. To not in any way be, be diminished from the truth of the glory and the power of our new lives in Christ. To represent God well. To live out the truth of the gospel as, as he did. We represent him now. By his indwelling power through his spirit. We live in a way as he did. As Dan reminded us last week in the first part of this passage. He came here to glorify God. And the single most important thing we can do with our lives is to live 
to glorify God in everything, in every opportunity, in every way. Live for his glory. I read this and I think it's profound. We are here to make an invisible kingdom visible. I don't want you to ever lose sight of that truth. You are remaining on this planet. God didn't take you out of this world for this reason. Your life is to be on display to reveal the invisible kingdom of God to the visible world in which we live. That's what we're called to do. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you, you will receive power. That's God's power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be, and this is, this is an identity statement, you will be not comfortable, happy people full of what's going on in the world. You will be my what? Witnesses. In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So this growing aspect of our lives is to grow more and more in these truths. And guys, the last thing I want to do is guilt anybody here today, but just open to you the truths of God's word and the possibility. Jesus prayed these things for us that we would enter in and rejoice and live in them in the fullness of of all that they are and represent him and display the invisible kingdom to a visible world. Another way I've heard this said is to be living proof of a living God to a watching world. That's what my, I want my life to be. Living proof of a loving God to a watching world. So how do we know we're growing? The second way is to just consider whose kingdom are we living for? You know, and uh, God really got me between the eyes with this one. Am I making choices for my pleasure, my happiness, my things? And, and again, these aren't all bad, but uh, we made a substantial purchase to fix up our home a couple weeks ago. And it's not that it's bad. It'll increase the value of the house. That's all, that's all good. It's a good stewardship thing, I think. So, but, but anyway, I'm, I'm reading through this and I'm thinking, do all... Do most, do many of my decisions seek always to further the gospel and God's kingdom? That's this kind of living, not of the world, but in the world. Are we doing that? Or are we choosing? Are we even filtering through our brains this, this concept of when we, how many decisions a day do you make? And how many do we stop and ask, God, is that going to honor you? Is that going to advance your work in the world? Is that going to extend your kingdom? Is that going to make your kingdom visible in my life, the lives of, of maybe my family? Or is this just for my pleasure, satisfaction, and happiness? I, I want us to, to ponder that question and, and to understand that if we're really growing, it's probably something we ought to think about a bit more. Are we really making choices in our lives that advance his kingdom and his gospel? The third thing Jesus prays for is that we would be sanctified by his truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Wow. None of of anything that I've said so far will happen if this third one doesn't happen. And so it sort of works forward and it sort of works backwards. The more we're sanctified by truth, 
the more empowered and enabled we will be to live in this world for his kingdom, the more his joy will fill us because it's all word-based. I will sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The idea of sanctification simply is, is that God pours out into our lives everything necessary for growth and spiritual fruitfulness if we abide in Jesus. It's that simple. Everything we need. So often in the scriptures, there's passages like, be holy as I am holy in all your conduct. Uh, Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Passages like Hebrews 10, and by that we will be sanctified, having been sanctified. Uh, The idea here is through the offering of the body of Christ, once for all we're sanctified, we're set apart. So I I want us to understand and know today everything that is necessary for our spiritual growth and, and to live in these ways has been done. It's available. It's readily accessible in the word of God. Be sanctified by his truth. Your word is truth. This book is All we need to live life in a way that we're talking about with the fullness of his joy, living for his kingdom and being sanctified, set apart, not tainted, not uh, spoiled by this world. Everything we need is here. The world is going to tell us because it hates us that nothing in this, this is for weaklings. This is for the ignorant. We're not intelligent if we read this book. If you believe that, you will struggle in your spiritual life. This book is all we need. Every word of it. It is truth. It will lead us on a path of blessedness, of untold goodness. We will know the God of glory. We will know his goodness. We will know that he's in control. We can rest in him and rejoice in every blessing that is ours in Christ. What what is truth? We need to just take a moment to think about that. I I pulled this out of a commentary from Albert Barnes. He lived in the late 1700s. And I've told you before, I think people that lived back then thought way better than I think. They maybe don't think as good as you think, but they think way better than I think. And so this is what he said. And I think it's so precious and so sweet. Truth is to see things as God sees and describes them. His truth is infinitely lovely and pure. His commands reasonable and just. His heaven is holy and desirable. His service easy. Faith is pleasant and sin detestable. To see that life is short, and by the way, it's getting shorter for some of us. Uh, Life is short and death is near. That pride, pomp, pleasures, wealth, the, uh, the theme park life, the honors of this world are of little value. And that it is of infinite importance to be prepared to enter the holy state of being. And and I would say amen to that, but I would also say to live this life well. To live this life filled more and more with his joy day by day. 
to be more and more set apart day by day for him. To allow his word and spirit to sanctify us and grow us more and more day by day. So with all that said, let me you know, just ask the question, how are we growing? One of the ways that we can tell if we're growing is are we being sanctified by his truth? Is, is the digestion, assimilation, and the application of his word accomplishing its intended purpose for which he prayed? God, may they have my full joy. May they be set apart and live in the world for my honor and glory, and may they be sanctified, growing ever, unstoppable through the word, because I've done everything necessary for them. So the question is, are we? I I love the story, maybe you've heard this, of Martin Luther. He said one time, he said, I I hunger to, to desire God's word in the same way that my dog longs for a bite from my table. That's so great. We we had a Doberman when we lived in the country, and this dog was like Luther's dog. If I was sitting on the couch, he would come over and, and he'd stick his nose under my hand so I'd scratch his ears. He would look around to see if we're watching, and then he would jump on the couch, which he eventually destroyed with his oily hair. But he was like Luther's at the table. One time Jolene fixed a a pan of brownies for a a family that uh, had some food needs. And she did something, came back, and he was a big dog, and he could get up on the counter, and there was a bite right out of the middle of the plate of brownies. But the the point is, Dobie was persistent. He never gave up. He just kept going for the ear scratch, going for the table scraps, going, going for the couch. One night, Jolene woke up. I was out speaking somewhere as a veterinarian. She felt this hot breath on her neck. And she looks around, and guess who's in bed with her? <laughs> this 100-pound Doberman. <laughs> so do we, do we have that kind of persistence and love and, and desire for the Word of God? I, I pray that we do. And Let's just wrap up here with some, just some application. Let's think a little bit about this idea of finding joy. You know, if we're growing in our joy day by day and in, in just drilling down deep into the truths of God and finding his joy, you know, we're going to face life differently. We did this when Jolene experienced cancer over 30 years ago. I'm not going to say we did it perfectly. Uh, we were shell-shocked. But through that encounter, uh, she found God's peace. God drove her to the word. She camped in Philippians 4, and she found freedom from fear and anxiety, and and, and just God raised up within her. Uh, Not a happiness at having cancer, but an ability to understand God was with her, and he would see her through it. He provided for her an incredible platform to minister to other people struggling with the same kinds of diseases. So I could take an hour to share with you the things that the Word of God did in her life and in our life together. We, we treasured minutes together like we never had. We lived life like it would always be here. When you're sitting in the doctor's office and he says malignant, that changes your outlook of life to the core of your being. 
that same day, the night before, it was on a Monday morning, our daughter told me, Daddy, I'm a veterinarian. Daddy, my hamster's sick. And I said, yeah, we'll give it an aspirin. It'll be okay in the morning. It wasn't. It was dead. <laughs> we go to the doctor. We get the, the cancer thing. We come home. Most of you will not remember this. We're watching the evening news, and we bombed Libya. So, like, is the world ending? But, you know, God saw us through that. He enriched us so deeply through his word and, and just the joy of knowing him. So, so when you face hardship, do you go to him to find the strength and, faith and the faith to, to be with him through it, to grow? Do you, do you pray, God, draw me closer to yourself through this time? God, use my life as a testimony to you. You know, I don't want cancer, but God, use it. Because I live in this world and there are people going through the same thing I'm going to need to hear. Uh, how can we use our lives in this way and let our joy emanate? Are, are we living for his kingdom in this way? Every day as, as we make decisions, I, I just want to challenge you, encourage you to, to think more and more day by day. Does this kingdom would, or does this decision have any impact, impact on the kingdom? Is there a better way I could make this decision to advance the gospel, to serve my God? Let's try to grow in thinking that way as we, as we continue to live. That's what Jesus prayed for us. We'd have his joy, that we'd live for his kingdom. And lastly, that we're being set apart for the world. That we would more and more hunger for the word as, as Luther's dog. Oh God, feed me. I'd be happy with just scraps, God. I, I just need you, and I need your truth. I need the reality of your word. So with that, let's bring the worship team back, and let's uh, pray. Father, how grateful we are that you have prayed for us, that you've prayed these amazing things, that we would have your joy that we would grow in living in this world but not be tainted by it. That we would grow, God, in uh, just being more and more set apart for you by your word and your truth. Lord, we need a place to stand. This church is our place to stand in the world. So I, I pray as we grow together, we would encourage each other in these truths. And we would serve each other. We would uh, build up each other. We would go together to uh, make you known. God, it's all about living out the truths and the fullness of this prayer in our lives. So guide, we pray. Empower, we pray. Uh, use your truth to change us, convict us, God, if it's needed. We want this all for your glory and honor. And we pray this in Jesus' incredible name. Amen.